The Murder on the Eastern Asia, specifically Japan, Bound Express by Ian Smith Chapter 3 Mademoiselle Perel sits back and thinks Carol, Richard, Joyce, the inspector, and the deceased Todd and Mr. Nabatov's stinky corpse sit in silence at the canteen tables, except for Perel who can't quite get comfy as he ponders the facts of the case. There is more comfort than this in the sticky room at McMurphy's. Perrault faces the living passengers from his own table, his eyes occasionally landing on the gap between Joyce and the others Richard insisted would keep their poor from rubbing off on them. Three murders, no witnesses, and only one way to rock, according to Sammy Hagar. Are you going to say something? We've been sitting here for two hours. Perrault curls the sides of his mustache and removes his thinking tiara before taking to the aisle. So many people have lied to me on this submarine and do not seem to mind. The way I see things, there are three possible solutions to these crimes. One, simple because it fits with all the facts of the case. One, difficult because it fits with most but not all of the facts and one more complex. The first solution, everything was an accident. Murphy's Law, it was all coincidental. No one is to blame. The second, Mr. Nobotov had enemies. Every man does. You grow up on a rough playground, having to fend for yourself. Maybe you have to slash a few faces to get some time on the swings. After all, they are not Raphael's swings, so Raphael does not get to hog them for himself and his friends. What are you talking about, Inspector? Raphael! Ivan Nabatov was Raphael, and uh, Monsieur Mademoiselle Perot has ambushed him in the toilet of this submarine. You lost me. His real name is Raphael now? Who's in the back? Uh, a rogue mafioso steals onto this submarine before we depart, yes? He waits for the perfect moment to strike, perhaps gains the assistance of Todd to a bribe of some physical or monetary nature, and murders Todd to tie up loose ends before making their escape when we surface to swim the few thousand miles back to shore. But that's impossible. But that's impossible, Inspector. And who shot Lucille? Why wouldn't they have shot Joyce, for all our sake? Excellent questions, which leads us to our last solution. So I ask, who stands to benefit? The benefit is, perhaps, to the spirit, an ease of suffering. To quiet a shouting voice in the head that prevents sleep or arousal. I do not have any problems there. I have yet to see any evidence of that, monsieur. May I ask you, sit down. Maybe. I will. And remove your blouse. No. Yeah, it was worth a shot. The murderer is among us. So, we have the deceased Mrs. Von Berg and her daughter Carol, who have known Mr. Texas's nephew since he was a young boy. And from being in such close proximity to this boy, you have admitted yourself your grown disdain for his existence. This hatred for him drove you and your mother to try to ruin his life. You know of his Harvard prospects? So Madame Lucille makes her correspondence to the Harvard admissions as a big donor. If this boy is admitted, the donation stop would be the effect. And so the boy was denied, his hopes ruined, and coming from such a prestigious family, one that would only have their eyes on the best, they would never let their boy go to an inferior school. So he waits for next year's admissions, but his residency at home, it grows unbearable to you. 
Your privilege turns his enjoyment of rights into an infringement on yours. That's not true. It is, mademoiselle. You and your mother realize your mistake. You realize you should have let him leave and get out of your life instead of trying to ruin his. But... Having lived a life of privilege, you do not know how to do things for yourself. That may be true, but I would never hurt anybody. Could you not? You spoke of your callousness towards the poor. You would not care about the death of a less wealthy person, especially if it benefits you. And that is where Monsieur Texas comes in. You must have known how devastating it was for your family to find out he wasn't accepted. Being from New Hampshire, you would have been determined to do anything and everything you can to right the wrong you saw. You admit your sister told you about the extortion and her suspicion of the neighbor, and you decide to make contact. But that is when the Von Bergs let you in on their plan. And what plan is that you're accusing? The plan of murder, Monsieur Texas! The Von Bergs used their ears in the Hardwick admissions office to find out about Ivan Nobata's vacation to Japan. You find that there are only two options for how to get there and have Richard kill the captain of one vessel, ensuring Ivan will be on Pacific Specific. That's a lie! And once aboard, you, Richard, waited for an opportune moment to strike when the lights went off. I didn't. This is all nonsense. But you three wanted to muddy the waters, make it unclear who the real murderer was. So... You stage fake introductions to seem innocent, bind him with a painting, and stab Nabatov in the neck to finish the job. And when Lucia went to dispose of the bloody glove Richie had left behind to avoid suspicion, she was caught by Todd and killed him. Lucille and Richard hid the glove, moved the trunk, and staged a fake discovery which Carol explained away with a phony story of crushing baby birds. But with two murders, you would need a stronger alibi than deniability. That is when the plan turned to Joyce. Me? I didn't do anything! I know you did not, Joyce. You are useless, which is how I know you to be innocent. Lucia was only supposed to injure herself with the gun and claimed she had been shot by Joyce, who was the murderer all along. But never having fired a pistol before, her test fire ricocheted off the llama room wall and killed her instantly. Her death is her own. But you two are responsible for the murders of Ivan Nabatov and the stepfather Todd. That's absolute nonsense. You can't prove any of this. Why would we even do such a thing? With Mr. Nabatov out of the way, a new admission director would take over, no one would know about the extortion committed, and Neville would be accepted next year, leaving Carol alone and making Richard's family happy. So... Your entire theory is based on the guess that that guy was the head of admissions? I know it to be true. How? What makes you think he even works for Harvard? Because of the crimson H on his cum sock and because of this. Poirot pulls from his coat pocket Ivan's rigid, tart sock from under the pillow and the picture of the otter taken off the body for all to see. An otter? An otter! The Harvard mascot! The Harvard H in Harvard Crimson on his Harvard sock! He was at admissions director Lucille wrote to, and with him gone, your nephew would get in, and you will have completed your loose end tying. And to think, you almost got away with it too, if it weren't for this pesky French inspector. Harvard's mascot isn't an otter. What?
It's not an otter. No, it's it's something else. It's like a guy. Yeah, it, it, it's not an animal. He's not an otter? No. Nope. Fuck! God damn it! Fucking shit! Oh, I made so much sense in my head. Oh, shit! That would have been so perfect. It yeah, sounded okay. spot on. Oh. Okay, be honest. Did you kill him? Of no. course not. And you're not just saying that? Come on, so you really just draw? Yeah. And you crush baby chickens for fun? You want to try? I've got three left. <sighs> then what about the sock? The, the H-Y? Well, H in Russian is pronounced like an N. It's probably just for his name. Yeah, I remember that came up in that Agatha Christie book about ten years ago. The train murder one. He probably didn't want to talk much either, because... English is his second language. That can be intimidating, talking with native speakers. <sighs> Damn it. It all works so well together. Then who is this guy? Where's his wallet again? Maybe there's something else in there. Let me look for it. I thought you checked his wallet. You can never be too thorough, so I try. Yup, here it is. He does insurance. You should have just checked it earlier. It was a pretty convincing story, to say the least. Give me some credit. Ah, fuck you. So what does this mean? Is there a murderer? Oh. Hey, guys. Ah! Who? Didn't mean to startle you. Who are you? Are you the murderer? How much of my story was true? What? No, don't be silly. I'm Brian. I monitor the cameras on the sub, keep an eye on things, make sure nothing bad happens. It's new technology, but it exists. Now, historically, you can look that up. What have you been doing? Bad stuff has been happening all day. Joyce won't stop talking. What is your problem with me? Do you see what we endure? Also, people are dying. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I saw. Pretty crazy. You saw. You know what happened? Who is the murderer? We must know! Yes! Please, I can't get blamed for this! Murderer? Well, nobody. Except you, Frenchie. Well, no, when that sea mine hit, the painting fell on that guy and he fell trying to get out and landed on that glass. Then Todd slipped when he went to clean it up. Hit his head pretty bad, it looked like. What about my mother? Oh, yeah, she grabbed that gun under your cushion pretty early. Kept hiding, too. I think she was just a coward. She accidentally shot herself in the llama room. I watched. But how cool is that, by the way? Llama room? Luxury, right? So I was right. It was the first solution all along. Wait, what did you mean no murderer except me? Oh, that prisoner you killed? Yeah, that's a war crime. I'm gonna have to tell the captain to turn around and have you all arrested. Just got done with the paperwork. Plus, I figured somebody should tell him about Todd sooner or later. That's his third stepdad. He's gonna be crushed. You all hang tight until we get back, and then you're all going to be arrested and eventually executed. It'll just be another mm, lot of hours. All of us? He did it. Yeah, it was him. We didn't kill anyone. Well, your accomplices. You didn't stop them. Just hang out here for a bit. I always forget how to get back up there. The inspector looks at Carol, Richard, and accidentally at Joyce, all feeling the full weight of the situation they found themselves in. Inspector Pellwell suddenly straightens up, an idea having hatched in his head, like the others before it. Why don't I help you find the captain? I know exactly where he is. Oh, really? Of course, it's just this way. Let me just close this behind us. <sighs> Why you do resort to a backup plan from earlier? 
Mm, yes, camera water man, it is right this way. A shortcut through the dead body room, perhaps? Through the what? What does he mean, backup plan? That's what he said earlier, right? About blaming Joyce? Oh, it looks like we're there. No, you can't. Sorry, Joyce. Nothing personal. We just don't like you is all. You tie her up. I'll go find the evidence Brian made. Wait, wait, no. no. Hold on, we can figure this out. Someone needs to take the fall, Joyce. No, it, it was all accidents. No one needs to take any fall. Brian has proof. Not after I find it. No, no, you can't. After silencing the troublesome noises, Joyce secreted. Richard ties her with several table linens until she's as stuck as her income class, but smashes a painting over her head anyway for good measure and a well-needed laugh. (laughs) After arriving in seven wrong locations, Carol finally finds the camera room to tear up Brian's report and swallow it, destroying any evidence of their wrongdoings forever. Only to choke on the wads of paper and die alone, just as a roaming gypsy had promised her as a youth. After informing Captain Starbird how they had caught Joyce in the act of murdering the Japanese prisoner, the passengers, and cold-heartedly his latest stepfather, uh, this is Captain Starbird speaking, uh, please direct your attention away from mysterious noises come from my mouth. Are you crying? Just walk away! Richard and the inspector ready their belongings for their long-awaited arrival in Yokohama. Inspector Perrault and Richard wave goodbye to the disappearing vessel from the docks for what felt like hours before shaking hands farewell as friends. Well, inspector, you may have accused me of murder based on a wrong line of reasoning. But it was a pleasure. Mm, the pleasure of accusing you is all mine, mon ami. Monsieur Texas, I will leave here to conclude formalities. May you find your peace with this. After a flawlessly executed secret handshake, thought of by both men spontaneously on the spot, they take their first steps towards the Japanese vacation they'd spent so much and so long to enjoy, but stop dead in their tracks. Across the ridge ahead, a row of Japanese Imperial soldiers take aim. Perrault and Richard turn around in time to see the Pacific-specific luxury cruises dip just below the surface of the water. End Chapter 3 Thanks for coming over, David. It means a lot. Hey, no problem, Bill. So, how have you been since your wife was murdered? <laughs> Stuck thinking about the same old topics when there's nothing to do? Hey, where'd this present come from? Try 
my new Professor Potato Body. Professor Potato Body using like a normal potato. What the hell? Is this a Jack in the- Oh, fuck! Hidden inside a Jack in the Box for safekeeping. There it is. Professor Potato Body gives you a unique, specific, time-delayed topic to think about while looking like and being a potato. So I just squeeze it, or...? How long's the time delay? History. Oh, history. Okay. Uh, let's see. <clears throat> I bet you thought Professor Potato Body would have a man's voice. That's because you're a sexist. Wow. What a uniquely specific topic to change up my daily think times. <laughs> Thanks, Professor Potato Body. Not available in stores. Geography. Dr. Raymond Pants, Books on Tape on Demand, is a part of the Trident Network. To learn more about our videos, live shows, and other podcasts, please visit thetridentnetwork.com.